0: If you would, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, If you're just joining us this morning, we're moving through Paul's last letter, a very tender letter to uh, his son in the faith that is Timothy. This is not the most autobiographical letter, by the way. 2 Corinthians is his most autobiographical, but 2 Timothy certainly is a very... um, there's a tenderness to it, but there's also an urgency, isn't there? And when we get to chapter 2, verse 14, we see this, and that's where we're looking at today, the latter part of chapter 2, again, in two, uh, two approximately two weeks, what is that, May the, what's the date again? May the 16th, uh, we'll continue our journey through this book. Chapter 2, verse 14, remind people of these things. Remember that remembrance is vital, he's stressed it in the book and solemnly charge them before the Lord not to wrangle over words. This is of no benefit. In other words, it's useless. It just brings ruin on those who listen. The term for ruin, by the way, in the Greek is interesting. It's the same word used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament in the description of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Flat, you know. I've been to Babed Dra, which is supposedly Sodom, uh, and it's just a wasteland. Um, That's a whole interesting story, but we'll go on. Make every effort to present yourself before God. This is the second time he mentions before the Lord in this little passage. As a proven worker who does not need to be ashamed. We already looked at uh, occupations that uh, model the Christian life last week. And he brings in the idea of a worker who does not need to be ashamed, teaching the message of truth, accurately, but avoid profane chatter, because those occupied with it will stray further and further into ungodliness, and their message will spread an affection like gangrene. And then he gives us, whom uh, uh and Philetus uh, are in the group. So we'll call them HP, right? They have strayed from the truth by saying that the resurrection has already occurred. Paul's already stressed the significance of the resurrection. Look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead? Why would he be stressing this? Because he knows full well that the false teachers that are in the camp, not outside, are saying that Christ didn't raise from the dead. And we know 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, you know, what are we doing here? Let's just all go. Live life like you want, forget it, right? <clears throat> and so they're denying it. He says, however, God's solid foundation remains standing, bearing the seal or, or the uh, indicating ownership. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from evil. Now, on a wealthy home, uh, the reason I think he's mentioned wealthy is because, uh, you, you know, you've got Wedgwood and Oritaki in this house, Right? There are gold and silver vessels. There's also made of wood and of clay, and some are for honorable use, others are for ignoble use. There's uh, pots for toilets, you know. You get the idea. So if someone cleanses himself of such behavior, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. But keep away from useful passions, pursue righteousness, faithfulness, love, and peace, and company with those who call on the name of the Lord in a pure heart. Reject foolish and ignorant conversations, literally stupid conversations, because you know that they breed infighting, and the Lord slave... It's the first time he uses this of all workers. He's used it of himself, but it's the first time in the pastoral epistles. Must not engage in heated disputes. Be kind towards all, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance and then knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses and escape, watch this, the devil's trap, where they are held captive to do his will that tone of urgency comes screaming through the text, doesn't it? It's like, wake up. It's interesting, in the, you can break this section down into two sections. Each section contains three imperatives or three commands. The first is negative, the next command is positive, and the third command is negative. So you're going to see this. There's six commands in this passage. Uh, I love that he's used the image of a soldier already because uh, Paul is acting like commander-in-chief here through this whole sucker, isn't he? Uh, wake up. So let's look at these. Let's look at the text this morning. Uh, the first portion I've called addressing the false teachers. It's probably not the best nomenclature, but I couldn't think of a, uh, uh It works, so we'll, we'll, we'll run with it. <clears throat> and the first command we see here in verse 14 is remind people of these things. And scholars debate, what are these things, right? What's he talking about? I think it goes back to verse 8. And what is in verse 8, which I just read earlier? Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, such is my gospel. That's what I'm calling you to remember. These are the things. Hold fast to what I've given you, right? Traditions, traditions, right? Fiddler on the roof. Here it is. That was supposed to be fiddler on the roof. Anyway. (laughs) All right? And by the way, there's a tone, uh, it, it's laced with teaching rhetoric. So in other words, you're, you're to be doing this. I've instructed you. And he's already talked to Timothy about this. We saw this in 1 Timothy 6. So this is not foreign to Timothy. It's not all of a sudden, he, he's not realized that he's supposed to be doing certain things. In your notes, I mention this before God, which occurs twice. See this, it's found here in verse 14. Before the Lord, and then in verse fifteen, he says, "In uh, before God again, or you could say in God's sight or presence." It's not the first time Paul's talked about your your work needs to be before the Lord. What does that mean? What does that imply? Before the Lord, help me out this morning. I think you've had enough coffee, Gail. We make enough coffee. I think we made enough coffee. All right, good. in the presence of God, what, what's that mean? If you're to work in the presence of God. He's watching. He's watching. There's that accountability, yeah. <clears throat> There's also a need for transparency. You can't hide it from the Lord, all right? Uh, the motives, all of that the Lord's going to ascertain, right? so. Paul's saying, Timothy, what you do, take heed. kind of reminds me of Mary and Martha. How do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? We've talked about this text, Luke chapter 10. What Martha was doing was great, but the heart, the motives were not correct. So uh, it's a good test for all of us, isn't it? Why are you doing what you're doing? So people praise you, careful, or so you feel good. Or is it for God's glory? I'm starting to meddle, so we'll move on. But it's certainly in God's presence, right? And notice <clears throat> the command with this about uh, reminding them is so that you're not wrangling over words. In other words, you're not quarreling. Uh, and, and there's two reasons he says this. Number one, the rhetoric is of no value. Uh, there's a world. There's a world of of individuals going to hell. And you're concerned about this and you're you're creating a havoc within the church and the rhetoric rhetoric, as we mentioned can ruin lives he's going to use a medical image in a minute and that's gangrene but we see there and i mentioned this in your notes the significance knight in his commentary makes a very good point and this is that large paragraph under command number one he says, Paul is referring to the kind of serious dispute about the meaning and significance of words relating to the Christian faith. We're not dealing with the color of carpet in the sanctuary. That's not what he's talking about. <clears throat> and this passage indicates that they are straying from the truth and saying the resurrection has not taken place. Be very careful. I came from an environment where I had some colleagues that, in m- my opinion, and forgive me, some of you know that background, you may disagree, but I, I believe they were wrangling over words. And I had students coming to me saying, I'm not sure Christ rose from the dead. Where are they getting that? And you realize that this postmodern hermeneutic was seeping in and, and, and we were discussing what does justification mean? And all of a sudden, things started to unravel. They're going, no, 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 no. This is, in fact, this text became the mantra for some of us in the, in the, in the department. We're going, what? look at this. This is what we're doing. And we're, we're, we're seeing the destruction of those that we're responsible for. So be very careful. This isn't something that just happens in 2,000 years ago. It happens today. Just go to the Barnes and Noble. Do they still exist? I don't know. Go to Barnes and Noble or Books a Million. Go to the Christian section. Look at some of the stuff that's being written. Oh, it's horrific. I had a a very gracious professor many, many years ago, and he never said ill of anyone. And and a particular book was mentioned, a popular book that was just creating real havoc in the church at large. And he said, you know, those books are great. They're good for starting fires. (laughs) So uh, whoever was shocked because he never said anything. I mean, he would compliment Hitler, I think. But, you know, as all of a sudden he says something like this, you're going, oh my goodness. Um, but it, he's right. And, and, and what's the text say? The, the rhetoric can ruin lives. And again, the term is used of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is significant stuff. It's it's very important. And Paul, looking at, staring at death, of all the things to talk about, he says, be very careful. <clears throat> um so what? You can define what superlapsarian means, and you can tell us all the stages of dispensationalism or wax eloquent on covenant theology. Yay for you. But be very careful, right? Uh, be very careful wrangling over words and, and the danger here. And that's, that's the issue here with the, the false teacher. Secondly, second command. He says, make every effort to present yourself before God as a proven worker. In other words, present your body as a living sacrifice, right? I mean, that's Romans 12. It's, it's what's being echoed. As I mentioned in your notes, the call to avoid shameful and accurate speech serves as a stark contrast with the false teachers. The rhetoric was inadequate. It was deceptive, intentionally so, and destructive. It shouldn't surprise us, Right? Whose snare are they caught in? Verse 26. Whose snare? What's the text say? Satan. And and what's Satan in the business of doing? Destroying. Especially the gospel. Right? Especially the gospel. (laughs) Uh, 2 Corinthians. Keep your finger here and turn. There's a text I want you to see. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul understood this. In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 17, he says, For we are not like so many other hucksters who peddle the word of God for profit, but we're speaking in Christ before God as persons of sincerity, as persons sent from God. Right? He says we are transparent. Even modern management knows that that's vital. Read Jim Collins' works. All right, Peer's works on the importance of transparency in the workplace, CEOs, etc. That's gotten us in uh, the worst are sins that are kept secret. (laughs) Look out. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just turn over another chapter or a couple chapters. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians 4, 2. But we have rejected shameful hidden deeds, not behaving with deceptiveness or distorting the word of God. But by open proclamation of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience before God. It's interesting when Peter writes his second epistle on his deathbed, 2 Peter, stresses the importance of tradition, the Word of God, and and, and he highlights the sincerity and openness in which they've communicated that truth. And you see that here, don't you? And, and Paul's saying in the second command, you need to make every effort. Unlike those, the false teachers, don't get tangled in that mess. Secondly, you need to make every effort to, to show that you are a proven worker. And third, you need to avoid, avoid profane chatter. This type of speech, as I mentioned in your notes, is secular, and it's clear from the text it opposes God. Uh Towner in his commentary says, the point is that the heretical nonsense threatens to bring the teaching of the church down to the level of base human teaching. Be very careful. And he then, Paul says, here's why. Number one, it leads to ungodliness, this profane chatter that you're getting caught into. And secondly, it spreads to the point, uses the term gangrene to destroy the entire body. How is that possible? How is it possible that profane chatter can lead to ungodliness and spread to the point of destroying the entire body? Help us out. Give me an example. Or how can that be? Gossip? Yeah. Of course, in the context here, it's it's false teaching, but yes. How is this possible? Isn't it like in the Book of James we we'll talk about the times? <laughs> It's immediately what I thought of. When I was reading this, I was thinking of the book of James, right? It's a small little rudder or a bit, but its influence is enormous. Yeah? Yeah, the other thing that comes to mind is Jesus saying that uh, what, what makes man unclean is what goes into him but what comes out of him. What does Isaiah say when he sees the Lord in Isaiah 6? I'm a man of unclean hands? No, it goes for the lips. Right? I know, too convicting. It leads to ungodliness, this profane chatter, this wrangling over words, and it can uh, spread to the point of destroying the entire body. You know, I think Satan loves nothing more than to get a Christian into an apologetic debate. Careful. There are times, I'm not saying that when we want to argue about the historicity of the resurrection, there are some wonderful opportunities. But at the same time, be careful not throwing pearls before swine. There's sometimes to say, well, we agree to disagree, or um, we're going to disagree on this issue. Because uh, that's, that's what they want. They want to pick a fight verbally, and they want to just suck you in. And the next thing you know, you spend all this time and energy, and, and that's the very thing that's happening here. You don't want this to happen. Um, better to kick the dust off the sandals and move forward. Um, yes. It's a good point, and uh, I don't know about you, sometimes this is where I can see it leading to ungodliness. I- I've got to win the debate. <laughs> so pride kicks in, and I- I'm like, okay, fine, all right? Let's, let's talk about it, 1QS 9 you know, blah, 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 blah. And the next thing you know, you're whoa, whoa, that's- I just fell right into this trap. And-, and I think that's a little of what Paul's saying here. He summarizes this whole section... In verse 19, which is intriguing to me, going back to 2 Timothy 2, and by mentioning the Lord knows those who are His. This is from Numbers. And you know what the text is, the passage in Numbers, the context? It's Korah's rebellion. Remember what happened there? God strikes him. Remember that? Because Korah and company went after God's leaders... And they wrangled over words and there was an issue of who you're going to follow. And, and the Lord knows who are His. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from evil. Be very careful, he says. Questions on this section? That's the false teachers. Certainly he's addressing Timothy in the process. Yes, Pete. Yeah, you're right. I watch the discussion and how that's developing. I can see completely turn away or else you're going to get sucked in. My blood pressure could go up real fast, yes. <laughs> yes, um, Bill. Um, i get caught in the same thing. and What I what I try to do is ask myself, is is this conversation out of love and concern for this person? Where Where am I going to getting them the truth? And I, I just love to whip theological arguments, too. <laughs> But it's really all about the other person mm-hmm. how can we love them most? yep and and that's why paul's saying listen avoid it don't do it avoid the profane chatter well he takes this final section and again we have three commands but before he launches into those three commands notice what he says about the wealthy home he says they're not only gold and silver vessels he uses The household imagery. This isn't the first time he uses the household. Uh, How is that image used elsewhere in Paul's writings? What is the household? Do you remember? The church, right? And it's interesting in this context, that's what we're seeing. I brought it, I don't usually do visuals, but I have one today. I wanna show you something. This is a vessel. Any ideas how old it is? It's 2,000 years old. It's time of Christ. Does anyone know what the vessel is? I'll buy, buy a candy bar. It's a pot, but what, what kind of a pot? Uh, it's used for cooking. This is a cooking pot from time of Jesus. It's ceramic. It's, it's, uh, it's not a stone, so it's unclean vessel, uh, easily disposed of. Thankfully, this one wasn't. but uh, And we know it's Herodian because it has the lines across it, etc. But Jesus says, listen, you all are vessels. Some are gold and silver, and others are cheap, you know, uh, corn... What do you call it? Cornwell or, I don't know, uh, cheaper of pottery. But yeah, corral, that's the word I'm looking for. I'll just stick that right there. He says, some of you are that... And he says, listen, um, you need to be useful for the cause of Christ. I love the word pictures Paul is using. And here's another example. And he says then as he's talking about these vessels, and you can see the imagery there. And again, he's looking for usefulness. He's looking for one who produces good works. And by the way, that's what we see in Ephesians 2.10. Why were you saved? For the purpose of good works, for the purpose of glorifying God. So then he says in verse 22, we see the first of the three commands, and again, it's negative, then it goes to positive, negative. The first of these in a negative uh, sense is keep yourself from youthful passions. Now, I don't know about you, but I always think, oh, that's, he's talking about sexual. And that's not the context here at all. That's not the context at all. I'm going, whoa, whoa what do you mean by that? Because what's he dealing with? And I, I mentioned this in your notes. This doesn't seem to be the focus, rather... I said, as I mentioned there in your notes, based on the context, these useful passions pertain to the temperament and judgment. Um, One who's making rash acts without thought of the consequences, tendencies to hurt from tradition to the novel. Every year, there's a a huge conference called the Evangelical Theological Society. Oh, there's about 3,000 who will attend, 2,500, 3,000. It's scholars from all over the world. But i be honest with you. This shouldn't be recorded, but <laughs> I don't always like to go because uh, I don't know, you've got these young bucks who got their feathers out like peacocks, trying to act like they're the cat's meow. And they're enamored with their own poop, if I can just say it so bluntly. You know, they, they think, "Ooh, look at what I'm doing. And, and they're just pushing the envelope so far. Uh, heaven forbid if you're traditionalist, <laughs> you know, um, and that's a little harsh, uh, so forgive me and we'll, re- we'll delete this, right, Paul? Uh, you didn't hear that from me. Uh, there's some great things that go on there. I love ETS. It's great for fellowship. Uh, it's great for getting books and maybe catching a paper, but uh, you know how those conferences are. Um, <clears throat> but it is. I've watched guys that go on, you know, they've got their master's from a leading seminary in the U.S., and then they go overseas for their PhD, and the next thing you know, they've abandoned the faith. Uh, and and the, the reason being, I think, is what we see here and going on, that, that they're just caught up with trying to be novel, new, and fresh, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they've not kept things in check. And Paul's saying, be very careful. Because HP, who were mentioned earlier, are caught up in trying to be novel and new and trendy. And he says, and as a result, they're wrangling over words and they're undermining the, 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 the faith. Right? Time and time again, Paul stretches, stresses tradition. Study it on your own. Look how many times he stresses it. Right? And, and he says, instead of, of this, he contrasts it with what you are to pursue, and that's righteousness faithfulness love and peace you're going that sounds familiar you're correct first timothy six he said it in the first letter he repeats it again if all scripture is god breathed it doesn't need to be repeated when it is repeated set up and take nourishment because here it is he's saying listen this is what you need to be doing I mentioned in your notes peaceful. Notice that the peaceful relationship. Look at the text. Don't don't take confidence for it. Verse twenty-two. In company with others who call on the Lord with a pure heart, that peaceful relationship is not with the false teachers. I'm going to be that brazen, because that text doesn't say that. It says only with those with pure in heart. Yes, you handled the false teachers with gentleness, but you don't embrace them. Read Second John. To John is hey, you you don't give a blessing to the false teachers. You don't fellowship with them. And what does Paul say to the false teachers? Send them over to Satan. He even gives them by name. You know, he's not afraid to say this peaceful relationship. You don't have peace with someone who is doing devil's bidding. Right? I mean that it's that strong. Don't don't miss this. It's there in the text. Yeah, we're dealing with those who are leaders in the church or leaders in the community of faith that are, are doing these things, hands down. Um, and at the same time, we walk in love and gentleness, which we're going to see in the latter part. So I don't want to miss that, all right? Um, this isn't that we're nasty in the process. And then <clears throat> uh, Paul says here, we need to reject controversies. And notice he calls them foolish verse 23, and he calls them stupid. (laughs) The term is strong. Uh, You know, uh, we told our kids, we don't really want you saying stupid. And I can remember my son was three, and we were in church, and this lady said, well, that was really stupid. And my son's eyes got as big as saucers, and they're already big. They got even bigger, and he goes, oh, like she just used a four-letter word in church. Uh, I said, no, 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 that's that's okay, shh. We don't say that. I know, I know. It's fine. But Paul does. He says it's stupid. And he says, because they know they are breeding. I find that very interesting, infighting. They're not, they're not clueless. They may act it. <laughs> you know, uh, but they're very aware of what they're doing. It's evident. It's self-evident. But he says, the Lord's slave must not gauge in these heated debates. Now, notice how he tempers this, all right? Look at this. He says, but the kind towards all, an apt teacher. Listen, you got to know your stuff. If you're going to lead the church, men, as in the home, as in your communities, and in the church, if you're involved in a leadership role, be patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. Notice, you are to correct them but with gentleness, right? This isn't, oh, it's okay. It's nice what you believe. We'll all just hold hands and go through the the, uh, tulip fields together and sing, uh, I don't know, the hills are alive, kumbaya. That's not what he's saying. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, no. And notice why he says this. This is very interesting. He says, so that God will grant them repentance the knowledge of the truth, they will come to their senses, and Satan's hold will be stripped of them. Is that interesting? I mentioned this down in your notes. Towner in his commentary says Timothy enters the struggle as an agent of Christ, the Lord's servant, right, to face the agent of the devil, false teachers under his thrall and his service knowledge of the truth brings the sobriety necessary to escape enlistment in the devil's service why why paul because the time is near and we have a glorious message and satan would love nothing more than not only to destroy the message but all those who embrace it right yes I know I argue they do understand, okay. Okay, they understand. well, uh, no, 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 um, 1 Timothy, I mentioned in your notes, they understand neither what they are saying or the matters about what they make, uh, I, I, I think they understand that they're, ca- they're causing dissension, I don't think they understand the implications of what they're saying, yeah, let me rephrase that, sorry about that, I was thinking the other. Let me give you three applications to run with. You say, well, that's nice, Hafiditz. That was then, this is now. So, what do we do? Number one, as leaders in our homes, our communities, <clears throat> and our ministries, we need to be good Bereans. Remember the Bereans? They search the scriptures. Why? We need to know our theology. After all, we fight a spiritual battle with Satan who utilizes these false teachings to undermine the faith of those we serve. Be on guard. How does the fbi teach their counterfeit division experts they don't study counterfeits they study the real bills so when they look at a fake um i'm not an expert on antiquities i have a few um, and i'm not always very careful with the one of the guys i buy i've purchased a few things from he's a dear friend he said the other day he had a guy come in and say i want to sell you this uh, piece that i found and my friend took it and he threw it to the floor and it shattered into thousands of pieces and he said, get out of my shop. And I said, did you really know it was a fake that quick? He said, no, but I thought, for sh- I thought it was, but I didn't know. But I said, oh my goodness, it's well I'd have paid for it if it was real, but it wasn't. So <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. But, but he handles real things all the time. So if you pick it up, you're going, no, that, that isn't right. That, that's not real. And boom. Well, the same with the Christian life. Philippians chapter one, turn there briefly. Uh, Don't do that to my pot today, please. (laughs) 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 Or you'll do what he said, and that's pay for it, right? (laughs) Philippians chapter 1. Oh, dear. Verses uh, 9 through 11. I just want you to see this. What does Paul pray for the church at Philippi? And this is a great church, they have a good relationship. He says, I pray that your love may abound even more and more in knowledge and every kind of insight so that you can decide what is best and thus be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And look at Paul's letters. What does he do time and time again? He deals with doctrine and then duty. It's hard to know what to do if you don't have the goods, right? Doctrine and then duty, and then second repentance, uh, and and uh, well, I see the notes. And coming back to one's senses is possible. I think there's hope here. H.P. aren't doomed forever. That's even in the context. There's a possibility for them. But as leaders, our demeanors and our rhetoric play key roles in this process of restoration. I must confess, I've not always been the best in this realm. Uh, you know, when I have students that are. Abandon the faith, and I see what's happening, it ticks me off real fast, all right? I'll be honest. And it's like, you know, you know better what you're doing. You have a PhD in this. Don't tell me you're clueless as to the damage you're creating. Chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says to Timothy, command and teach these things. Let no one look down on you because you are young, But set an example for the believers, watch this, in your speech, your conduct, your love, your faithfulness, and your purity. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gifts you have. Take pains with the things, be absorbed. Verse 16, be conscientious about how you live and what you teach. It's a good reminder to all of us. I don't care if you have a vocational Christian ministry, uh, or you're just serving, not just, you're serving the Lord in whatever profession He's called you, Uh, you have a role to play, and we need to guard our doctrine as well as our duty, all right? And we see that here. Let me give you one more to run with this morning. Go back to the pot. That's why I brought this in. I was thinking of application. As believers, we're called to be vessels, aren't we, for honorable use what believer or what behavior in your life needs specific attention? Paul gave four to Timothy. He talked about righteousness, he talked about faithfulness, love and peace. Um, I've given you several texts. Let's, we have some time, so let's look at them. Uh, the first of these for righteousness. Turn to first Peter, and I challenge you to take one of these areas, just one, and commit the verse to memory. I've even selected. Shorter verses. (laughs) Uh, 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we may cease from sinning and live for righteousness. There it is. Purity in our lives. Maybe it's an issue of faithfulness. Psalm 119. Would someone turn there and read that? And if someone would turn to the next two texts. I'll have guys read these. But righteousness, of course, is dealing with purity, uh, holiness, faithfulness, the task at hand. Psalm 119, verse 30. Someone have that text to read for us? I have chosen a life of faithfulness. I have set your regulations in front of me. Yeah. Psalm 119, and by the way, is in the whole context about the Word of God, right? And treasuring it, savoring it. Good. Uh, love, Hebrews 6.10. Who's got this one for us? Paul, you got it? Hebrews 6.10? I do. For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work, and the love you have demonstrated for His name, in having served and continued to serve the saints. Yep, the love. Uh, and then peace, Hebrews 12.14. Who's got this text for us? In yes. Hebrew All right to live in peace those are four just four areas uh again only select one this week and i challenge you to take one of the verses and commit it to memory um i'll be vulnerable i'm work i'm going to work on love this week hebrew 6 uh when i get busy it's easy for me to focus on self and all that i need to do versus seeing the world around me and people that are hurting etc so um committing that verse to memory is hebrew 6 for myself <clears throat> yes. I love the first <laughs> Timothy four eleven. I actually put that on the mirror my youth so that every day they wake up and see how important that particular verse is to their life. And does it <laughs> make an impact? I don't know, but seeing it every day the person you see in the morning probably a good Yes. Richard Baxter the Puritan said there is little we touch but we have the the print of our fingers behind. <laughs> a good reminder. Uh, People are watching, and they're listening. And our demeanors, our rhetoric needs to be that which is before our God, right, as Paul says to Timothy. Father, we did a little bit of a blitzkrieg through uh, a very significant text, but the truths are there, and it's a reminder that how we live our lives and How we use our tongue can be used in a mighty way for your glory, or it can do Satan's bidding. And Father, as followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a good slave, a good worker, an excellent vessel that gives you glory, honor, and praise. We thank you. Be with these men today and this week. Guide them. Thank you for their faithfulness to you. And uh, Lord, for those, again, who could not be with us, we particularly think of Dale uh, this morning, and just guide the surgeon's hands. And uh, Lord, uh, bring him through this uh, surgery this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen.